Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Game Junk Podcast, episode number 117, recording on August 21st, 2022. And my name is Sean. And my name is Andrew. And coming up on this episode, we're going to be talking a little bit of video game news. You know, we got some stuff we haven't covered uh, over the past week or so. We got the THQ Nordic Showcase, maybe some Game Pass Sony stuff to talk about, maybe a few other things, and some stuff we played as well. So, uh, you know, we got we got stuff to talk about, but Frank is away. He's still, actually, I think he's um, he's at a concert tonight, right? Rammstein, I, don't know. I believe. So, oh, could be. Uh, okay, so you know, we thought maybe he might be able to pop on the show, or, or you know, at least call in or something. But it's looking unlikely. So don't get your hopes up. But uh, we'll see what happens. You know, the two man show has not happened very often for Game Junk, but uh, I think we got it covered. How you doing, Huck? I'm doing great. I'm ready. I don't know. The YouTube people can tell, but Sean sent me a beautiful HD webcam. So now I'm living <laughs> like it's the year 2000 instead of the 1990s. <laughs> and uh, yeah, now you can just even see more of my slob uh, office space uh, than normal. So that's that's a little treat for everyone out there. Although mm-hmm. I must say, I'm in the process. I'm going to be painting the walls. So everything is pushed away from the walls. That's why it looks a little more cramped. It's not just the HD factor. <laughs> actually gonna you know make it look presentable hopefully it looks beautiful as it is very authentic uh i'm sure people are loving it so that's very nice of you to say very kind (laughs) so yeah so um i guess we'll probably start the discussion with um some of this sony versus microsoft stuff that's been going around and frank probably if he were here probably would not touch it with a 10-foot pole because it's a little bit of rumor hearsay kind of stuff, but there are, but it is coming also from some legit court documents. So, you know, there's some legitimacy to this and I thought it was a pretty interesting story. Uh, So for people who aren't up on this, so, you know, with the whole uh, Microsoft acquisition of Activision, um, I guess, you know, for, um, for legal reasons, you know, they have to go around to other video game companies and kind of say, you know, does anyone object to this? You know, is this going to be, give Microsoft some kind of monopoly, some care, some kind of unfair advantage, competitive advantage. And so they went to a bunch of video game companies. Nobody objected except Sony. They did object primarily because of the call of duty factor, which makes a lot of sense. It's, you know, basically the biggest video game franchise going every year. I believe it is the number one most played game on Sony consoles. And so they were a little bit, you know, concerned that Microsoft would own the rights to Call of Duty. Concerned. Yes. Good word. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, Microsoft has said, hey, it's still going to be multi-platform. Don't worry. But I mean, that's, that's just... You know, they could change that at any time. And obviously having all of the Call of Duty games under Game Pass would be a big deal. So they objected and there was some back and forth. And I guess Microsoft kind of responded and said, well, hey, you know, Sony's doing the same thing we are. They're acquiring uh, studios. They're trying to get exclusive games for their uh, console. They're, They're 
kind of doing a Game Pass competitor. And then one of the things that was kind of mentioned in there was that Sony is paying quote unquote blocking rights to certain uh, game publishers or developers to not put their game on Game Pass. And, and that was kind of a big thing. Uh, and I don't, I, you know, beyond that, it, there, I don't know that there's been a lot of details. There's been rumors that certain other games may have fallen under this blocking rights thing and, and games that maybe we thought were going to be on Game Pass that didn't end up there. But I mean, what do you think of this, Huck? Is this, is this uh, some dirty underhanded tactics by Sony? Do you believe this story? Like, what are you thinking? Um, I don't, I think a little bit is kind of like hearsay by each party. Um, obviously like reading into it, but for the, the blocking the rights thing, I think that's just like what exclusivity deals are in general kind of thing. And the one that just popped into my head that may be, uh, the one that they're talking about that Microsoft thinks is maybe Final Fantasy VII Remake. Because I don't know if you remember, but all of the Final Fantasies came to Game Pass for at least a period of time. And Final Fantasy Remake hasn't even been on Microsoft platforms at all. So hmm. that is an interesting one. It's now on Steam and Epic Store, I think, and Sony, but not Microsoft, which is, is maybe the one they're referring to. Because why... Would Square Enix not extend that out to Microsoft platforms? I, I don't know if that makes sense. Um, but also there's, you know, I'm sure there are other examples uh, where you're just buying exclusivity, exclusivity rights for, you know, a period of time, like a year or something. And then most games will go over to Xbox. I don't know if they go over to Game Pass necessarily, but um, I don't I don't know if it's, it's interesting. I, I can't see them having proof that they're actually doing this blocking of rights, but yeah. And I guess, you know, the thing that is weird about it, like I, I hear what you're saying about the, you know, yeah. Exclusivity deals. They've been happening for many years now. You know, the idea of like either totally exclusive or timed exclusive, but the, I think what they're talking about is a little bit different in the sense that it's not even that Sony is saying, put your, game on our platform only it's basically saying just release your game normally just don't put it on game pass and they're like paying people to do that potentially which is a little weird right like you'd think okay then put it on you know pay them money to put it on your platform pay them to put it on ps plus or something but they're kind of just saying whatever we'll pay you just don't put it on game pass which you know i could see why people would be kind of uh, pissed off about that. And and it does, I mean, honestly, I was looking at the stuff that's come out on Game Pass this year and it feels like there's not much. Like a lot of the games that are coming out now are at least in terms of like day one releases. Like a lot of the stuff that's been coming out the last few months is stuff that's been out, you know, for for months or, or even longer. And now they just show up on Game Pass. So it almost feels like, I mean, I guess the other thing that could be happening is just some developers or publishers are realizing, hey, we've got buzz around this game. We can put it on Game Pass eventually. We just don't need to do it day one because we're going to get lots of sales right off the bat. And so it could also just be, you know, publishers and developers deciding that on their own. Yeah, I guess so. But I mean, how many, like, 
big games have really come out this year that you would say, oh, why isn't that on Game Pass? There, there's really hasn't like if I'm thinking about the big games this year, I, I nothing really immediately comes to mind. I mean, Stray was the most recent one, I would say. And that was obviously Sony. They signed that deal for PS Plus, which is basically exactly what they're arguing against here, kind of thing. Um, and then what, what was even before that? I mean, I can't even think of any. I, this is how out of the loop I am. I don't even know what big games have come out this year. I'd have to look yeah, it up. But I guess, like, for me, like, I'm thinking, like, I, I definitely, there haven't been a ton of AAA, you know, day one releases on Game Pass recently, but like, there's been indie stuff. Cult of the Lamb was one that I thought was coming to Game Pass. It didn't happen. Curse to Golf just came out this week. I was kind of looking forward to that. Thought that was coming to Game Pass. It's not. Uh, there was a few others that were kind of in that boat. And, uh, you know, again, and that happened last year too, where we kind of, there's certain games that are in Xbox showcases and you kind of, they're, they're, in between all these other Game Pass games, and you're like, oh, I guess that's a Game Pass game too, but it, it's actually not. So yeah. some of that is kind of just Microsoft being kind of crafty, I think. Yeah, and I guess like if Sony was paying this money, why why would they pay extra money but then not get exclusivity? So like Cult of the Lamb is on Switch and uh, Microsoft. Same with that... Uh, Everyone, what would you say? The golf game, Curse to Golf, or something like that. That's yeah. also on Switch. So you're, uh, you're like basically still allowing it to come out on other platforms, not Sony. But you're saying like, here's some extra money, just don't go on Game Pass. And how do you even enforce that without it leaking? Like that, that'd be a pretty big stip- stipulation in any contract. Um, to basically say like, yeah, here's a boatload of money for not going on Microsoft's Game Pass. Like, I, I can't imagine people not talking about that and not leaking that to Microsoft to use as some sort of leverage in this exact sort of acquisition. Well, I mean, Microsoft is coming, are the ones coming out and saying it. So apparently it has gotten back to them if it is a thing that's happening. And maybe, maybe there's not even money involved. Maybe there's some other kind of thing like, hey, don't go on Game Pass. We'll give you some kind of yeah, preferred store. placement in our store or yeah, whatever. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just, that struck me as very interesting. And, and you know, looking at what's happening with PlayStation Plus, um, you know, I just signed up for the, uh, the, the higher tiers of PS Plus, mainly for Stray, I thought, okay, so we're probably going to get some kind of new uh, day one release on PS Plus every month, I would hope, something like that. There was nothing this month, and Roller Drone, which I'm going to talk about, seemed like it was, there was rumors that that was going to come to PS Plus, seemed like the perfect kind of game, and then they just did like a one-hour trial. So it kind of seems like they're not like, they're not even doing that great of a job of trying to put their own game pass version out there. They're just kind of throwing it out and it's almost like they're more uh, apt to try and sabotage game pass than make their own competing service better. But yeah. And even uh, in one of the documents, it talks about how like, you know, with the acquisition of Activision, they're going to have so much content, blah, blah, blah. But then like, Sony has all this content and they don't put it on their PS plus thing. So like, what are they complaining about? Like they have tons of IP 
that they could easily put on this. Like think of the whole, like the whole PS Vita store could just probably be played. Like all the PS one classics that you could play on your Vita, they're not available on this service. PS two, you know, there's some, not that many, like there's only a handful of PS one games, handful of PS two, all the PS three games have to be streamed, which is not that bad. I tried one and it was fine. And then you got, you know, PS4, PS5, your libraries, you know, there's a lot, a lot of Sony IP that they could put on this and they don't seem to be adding anything. Whereas Microsoft is just like, yeah, we acquired Bethesda. Here's everything. Go at it. Whereas Sony doesn't seem to want to do that at all. Um, you know, they, I'm pretty sure that, um, you know, like all the Insomniac games, they're not on there, right? That they would have. I don't think so. I guess Infamous is now. Um or no, that's Sucker Bunch. That's Sucker Bunch, sorry. Um, but yeah, it just seems like there's a lot of content they could be adding to improve their service, and they're not. Yeah, so. I mean, they could be pacing themselves, I guess. But yeah, I'm not that impressed so far. So, And definitely the classic games have been lacking as well. Yeah, so spitting off of this, uh, someone in the Discord, uh, Kiddo in Flames, linked a video. Uh, to this YouTuber, Destin, who I think used to, was it Game Informer he used to be at or something? I think I recognize him from somewhere. Um, anyways, he's got his own YouTube channel and he went through the, the Google translated document that all these articles are written about. And what I found interesting in this article, not really related to this, is that it had a table showing the digital sales data comparing Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo, EA, etc. And Microsoft was uh, below Sony. So Sony was for 2021, Sony was uh 40 to 50%, Microsoft was 30 to 40% of all digital sales. It didn't give the actual numbers. And Nintendo was only 10 to 20%. And before the show Sean and I looked it up, Nintendo has sold over 110 million units of the Switch. Sony has sold just over 20, which means, you know, Nintendo has 5x the amount of consoles in the wild, and they're selling one-fifth the amount of digital sales, which to me is insane that they are not putting more effort into selling games on their digital storefront. It would seem like a no-brainer and that they should be selling, like, so much more, even if they sell that shovelware crap. Um, <laughs> like, it seems like how is there that many people on the switch that are not buying digital games? I mean, it seems like everyone I talk to most people buy digital now. And I, and I don't know what the overall market of digital sales is, but I'm sure it's bigger than physical sales now. And I just found that extremely interesting that it was so low for Nintendo. I think over the pandemic it officially passed, maybe it had already, but I'm pretty sure digital passed physical, but uh, yeah, the, the thing with Nintendo and, and the only way that kind of makes sense to me is that you've got a lot of families buying Nintendo products. Maybe they're not all like super savvy and, and paying attention to the digital stuff. And they just know, you know, I buy this game console for my kids at Christmas. I buy them a couple of physical games and that, and that's all they really know or use it for. Um, but it does seem like a pretty big gap. So that's, that is pretty surprising. Yeah. And I know, um, like from personal experience that actually the sales from like Nintendo Switch store is quite a bit lower than Sony, 
So it lines up from my personal experience with it. So obviously the number of units in the wild doesn't necessarily translate to sales like everyone thought it did because everyone was piling into the Switch. And maybe that's just it. Maybe there's just too many games on the Switch and no one can find anything, which is maybe part of the problem as well. Just storefront storefront curation. But Well, that yeah, that definitely is a problem, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, this is also kind of a related story. We just want to touch on um, this whole Embracer group thing. So we did talk about in the Embracer group earlier this year when they acquired, uh, I think we talked about it, when they acquired like Deus Ex and um, what were the other one? The other... Um, Tomb Raider? Tomb Raider, uh, Thief, I think, a few other yeah. kind of big name video game franchise uh, rights. So they acquired those. Now this week they acquired a bunch more things. Uh, limited run games was one tripwire interactive is another. Uh, but the big one is that they acquired Lord of the Rings, the rights to the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. And I didn't realize until Huck pointed out just before the show, like I, the whole time I saw this story, I just thought, okay, well they got the rights to make, Lord of the Rings video games, but no, they have the rights to the movies, like everything now. So they're, they're talking about making new Lord of the Rings movies based on specific characters from the other, uh, movies and stuff. So I don't know. That's kind of a, a crazy, a crazy thing. And it's just, you know, like a lot of people are talking about the fact, like, what even is this embracer group? Like, it's just, it's a holdings company or something like they're just pulling in as much ip as they can to create value for investors like they really don't even seem to care what happens with this stuff it's just you know things to to build a portfolio like they literally mentioned that in one of the press releases about you know how they're proud of their portfolio or something like that so i don't know well, it's, it's becoming that? very impressive i must say I mean, you have some really heavy hitter IP in this portfolio now, especially with Lord of the Rings. Um, just, I can't even imagine having some random embracer group that seems so ominous take over Lord of the Rings and like start pumping out movies like, you know, Disney does with Star Wars now, but it could happen. We could be seeing tons of stuff. And I mean, it's a little weird, the timing, because Amazon is just putting out that new Lord of the Rings show, I think like in September or something like that. So that's very coming up very fast. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. And I mean, there, I don't know if there's any other like Tolkien material other than the main three books in the Hobbit related to Lord of the Rings universe that he's put out, but I'm sure they will start trying to, you know, grab whatever they can and use this IP to its fullest. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of like appendices and things like that, that, you know, I think that may be partially what the new TV show is kind of trying to draw from. But um, yeah, I mean, like, it, I guess the first obvious thing would be like, make a video game based on the new TV show. That seems like something that could happen. And obviously, there is already that Gollum game is still coming. I think it got delayed, but is it 2022 still? I don't remember. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah, I remember seeing it got delayed though. 
Um, but you know, the one thing that was I thought interesting is I saw pe- a lot of people saying like, "Oh, hey, maybe this means there there's a good chance of a, a good Lord of the Rings game getting made." And I was like, "I mean, there's some pretty good ones out there, aren't there?" Like, I mean, uh, yeah, Shadow of War or Shadow of Mordor, those games. I'm pretty sure those were quite well received. Yeah, and then even like uh, the EA games that came out around the time of the the trilogy, the, the original Lord of the Rings trilogy. I don't know if you remember those. No. Uh, I think, I don't know if they did the fellowship, but I know they had a uh, two towers game and a return of the King game. And those were pretty fun. I remember like they were kind of arcadey action games, but uh, yeah, they were kind of cool. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Has Embracer group, like any of their studios put out any games since they've been acquired? It doesn't not, seem like it. I mean, so the list I have in front of me, so they now own companies. <laughs> they own the companies that own the companies. I don't know if that's a typo <laughs> that make little nightmares, goat simulator, destroy all humans, time splitters, time cop, dark siders, saints row, Duke Nukem, Borderlands, Valheim, Killing Floor, Deus Ex, and Tomb Raider. Uh, okay, so Saints so, Row. There's a new Saints Row game coming out soon. So I guess that would be maybe the most recent one. Yeah, so there's definitely some of these uh, developers are, are currently active. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's It's a weird, you know, it kind of is like what's happening now everywhere, like in movies as well. And and uh you know just people trying to swallow up as much ip as possible yeah this is like really giving me uh deja vu of was it the like early 90s when ea was just going around buying up everything and everyone hated ea because they would <laughs> yeah. like buy something and then ruin it and <laughs> like that was a game company buying game companies this is like some amorphous blob buying game companies and like no one seems to really hate them as much as they hate ea or as much as they did hate he did hate ea um it's kind of weird like i think people are just don't know what to make of it so they have no opinion but it is strange and i i don't really have faith that a like non game company will be able to like actually produce a game properly unless they literally just throw money at it and hope for the best and just like let the teams work but i can't imagine that being the case i imagine they're gonna want to have feedback they're gonna want to like see production schedules and make sure they're on time and absolutely destroy the souls of all the people working at those (laughs) companies um i i don't know i can't see this being a good thing i mean the only good thing is that like Embracer Group is a spinoff of THQ Nordic or North or something, right? Like THQ Nordic. So it does have some game roots, but I don't know if that's actually a good thing or not. Because THQ kind of went down in a burning flame. So. Hmm. Yeah. So Embracer Group, formerly Nordic Games Licensing and THQ Nordic. Yeah, I so, don't know. I, I mean, the other little interesting footnote is that uh, they've got like $1 billion of invested money from the government of Saudi Arabia, which mm. is where they're able to suddenly do all these acquisitions. So, Right. It's a lot of oil money there. 
Yeah. But, um, okay, well, so we mentioned uh, THQ there. Why don't we jump into a little bit of a discussion about the THQ Nordic Showcase. So this happened last week, I think. And I I didn't really even know it was happening. Read some stuff about it afterwards. Kind of flipped through and I did not really recognize most of the games. I guess some of these are like reboots or sequels to mm-hmm. games that some some people probably know and, and love. Uh, but I guess, you know, the big one is there's a new Alone in the Dark game uh, in development and they did show a trailer for it. Uh, what do you think of this, Huck? I thought it looked pretty good. Um, the environments in particular and the lighting looked great. There was a, another video I saw that was, there's a one minute trailer, but then there was also maybe about a minute or a minute and a half of sort of like extended cut where it wasn't quite so jump cup cutty. The, the trailer was quite filled with jump cuts. Uh, and this had a little bit more extended walking sections and some combat. And I thought it looked pretty good. There was, it was definitely missing just like, just that little bit of extra polish level that these really good looking games do. Like I'm so spoiled by Naughty Dog games where, um, you know, there's just, there's just attention to every little detail. And I had noticed, um, where the guy's walking down a hallway and the roof kind of starts collapsing and the main character is just like stone faced, like nothing's happening. Whereas, you know, in an uncharted game, Drake would be like responding, like, whoa, look out, like kind of thing. And in this game, nothing, just like keep walking, no big deal. Um, so just like little touches like that stood out a little bit. But overall, I thought it looked really impressive. I played like the original Alone in the Dark back in the day and, and, um, I have no real like love for that game because it was pretty clanky, uh, pretty janky, but um, yeah, pretty clunky, <laughs> pretty clunky. Uh, so I, I'm still interested in it. I thought it looked pretty good as long as they don't go like too down the route of like boring adventure game, you know, find this key hidden in some obscure spot and put it in some other obscure spot. Oh, I think this what, game that's has- what I want. I'm hoping for more, <laughs> more of that. Uh, yeah. So as long as they don't do that, I, I think it looks pretty good. I think it has some potential. What about you? Yeah. I mean, I thought it looked visually pretty good and uh, it does seem like, so I, I just looked the last alone in the dark game was 2015. I don't think I've played a single one of these, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. But the uh, you know it is the original survival horror franchise. I believe it predates Resident Evil and and some of the other big ones. Uh, but th- it looks like they've kind of given it a Resident Evil Four or Resident Evil Two remake makeover because there's definitely kind yeah. of like third person over the shoulder gunplay. Uh, I don't know how much of that like uh, is there. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of interested, I guess, you know, it's, it's probably about time they brought this one back. So I think, uh, yeah. Especially with the success of, you know, the RE2, RE1, RE3 remakes kind of thing. Um, obviously they've been successful, so it's probably a good time to bring this dusted off the shelf and bring it back. So I think it's a good, a good time, a good time to bring it back. And, you know, all those people that like in our discord that are posting about RE2, this could be another interesting survival horror game for them to look into that's new and not, you know, just a remake of stuff they're already familiar with. Although I did read, I think it's kind of like a half remake of the original game. 
Like well, that's okay. The original or, game is like from the late eighties, right? Uh, Something like that. Like I thought 90, it was quite, early, very early nineties, very but, early nineties. But yeah, it's uh yeah, like definitely reimagining. I, I don't know. Like it, it's um the guy who did amnesia and Soma or, or one of the guys who worked on, on those games is directing and writing it. So, mm. uh, yeah, I, I think it, it looks promising. So there were a bunch of other games. I, I mean, we're not going to go through them all, but did you, were there any highlights or low light low lights for you? Yeah. So highlight, I thought outcast two looked pretty fun. Actually, it kind of looked like the, so Outcast, I never played the original Outcast, but the character and the key art for the character that's on like the icon is pretty recognizable. It's like this orange jumpsuit and the guy's kind of got some weird like glasses or something like that. So that character's back and is very recognizable. Looks like he's got some sort of wingsuit that allows him to fly almost like I think like Anthem Flight was for EA's Anthem. And then there was like some mass effect or you know almost guardians of the galaxy style combat um and it looked like open world so i thought it actually looked pretty polished looked pretty fun and normally i would not even think to look at this game but this trailer made me intrigued hmm. uh yeah i i guess the one that i thought looked kind of cool which I, I don't think you were too interested in huck but there's this game recreation mm-hmm. which you know not the best title <laughs> but it's rec w-r-e-c-k and it's sort of a racing game some of the developers uh from burnout and need for speed uh working on this and it looks like it's more of like a build your own crazy stunt track racing game and you know there's been stuff like you know there's there's the hot wheels game that came out i think last year I think they just did a Hot Wheels DLC for Forza Horizon. Uh, so, you know, there's been games kind of like this, but this looked like like the scope of it, the scope of it looked pretty cool in the trailer, and it kind of reminded me of like I don't know, almost like uh, Trials or something as well. Just in yeah, the, the, I, I believe it is. You know, there will be an editor, and you can build your own stuff. So, uh, could be kind of fun. Yeah, that is a definite negative needle mover for me. <laughs> I am not into creating content. Um, and the last one for me that I liked, let me find it so I can make sure I know the name, was oh, Way of the Hunter, which I personally probably will not play. It is basically like a hunting simulator, um, but it looked like all of those really well-selling steam games that are out there right now it's not you know a crafting game but it is a sim a hardcore sim and it looked like people who are interested in exploring a vast wilderness and walking for hours on end um will probably love this game and it looked really polished uh so it's something to look into if you are into that kind of stuff i think it's open world as well which Mm -hmm. kind of I don't know if there's been an open world hunting like simulator before. So I guess. Yeah. There's like those like Cabela games or something like that, but I don't think those are quite like this. I mean, this looked like if you shoot an animal, you actually have to track it properly. Uh, if it runs away and stuff like that, if you miss shoot. So, um, it looked quite intense 
too intense for me. That's for sure. But it, <laughs> it was interesting. I thought it looked good. Yeah, and I guess just to mention a couple others, there's this Gothic game, which is a remake of the most iconic German RPG ever. I'm not familiar bold, with it. Bold statement. <laughs> I mean, the trailer is just zooming around some mines for the most part. Uh, yeah, there's some questionable trailer uh, creation in this showcase, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the trailer didn't blow me away, but I, I understand that might be exciting for some people. Uh, what else? New SpongeBob game. I, I don't know. Like, has there been a good SpongeBob game? I feel like I've heard that, that there there was one or two that were kind of like not just shovelware for kids that there actually were good, but I have no idea if this one is good. I uh, have no SpongeBob experience, so I am not a person to ask on that one. <laughs> There's a new wrestling game, AEW Fight Forever. I don't even know what AEW is. So something something wrestling. <laughs> extreme wrestling it's got to be extreme something yeah awesome extreme wrestling <laughs> oh no there it is it's right that's right up there all elite wrestling oh well if it so was extreme i might have been interested yeah we we're all off we we're both off <laughs> and then i guess D destroy all humans 2 reprobed there was a trailer for that it's actually coming is it this month it looks like this month yeah. Um, which I, I did play a bit of the first one because I think it was on Game Pass at some point. But, you know, it's not... I, I don't think I'll be buying it, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. Curious if they're going to do a new one at some point and not just remake the, f the first two. But, um, yeah, anything else for you? I don't think so. Nothing else really floated my boat. Okay. So I think that's it for news. So why don't we move into stuff we've been playing? Sure. Yeah, I can. Uh, you said you got a lot, so I'll I'll kick it off with one, and then you can go to town for a while, and then I'll come back with something else. Uh, but I finished off Boyfriend Dungeon, uh, which I really enjoyed actually quite a bit, and I can't remember exactly how far I was when we talked about it a couple weeks ago, but. I really latched on to the loop they have. So um, I think I mentioned how you go into a dungeon and you unlock these weapons and the weapons are kind of like your boyfriends or people you can date and go on dates with. So how they do the, the loop is basically when you go into a dungeon and fight enemies, you use a weapon and you get experience points with that. And usually it takes like a couple levels of the dungeon and then that weapon levels up to like level two. But your experience with that weapon is then capped at level two until you go on a date. So when you get to each level of the dungeon, you are allowed to switch which weapon you have. So basically you max out a weapon, switch to another weapon, max that out, etc. repeat. You leave the dungeon, you go on these dates, which drives the story forward, unlocks the next level and a new skill with that weapon or new ability. And then you go back into the dungeon and keep playing. And it's really a rewarding loop because, uh, one, it, it gets you to try every weapon and see which ones you like, kind of in the way that Hades would do that. Uh, two, there's like the story aspect where you are, you know, kind of rewarded for leveling up in that the story progresses. And then, uh, I just like the third thing is I just like how it gates, how it gates you and it makes you, uh, you know, I guess leave the dungeon is 
kind of weird thing to say, but it kind of makes you reset, go and, you know, spend your items that you've acquired, get new things, get new weapons, get new upgrades, um, you know, possibly, you know, find other things in the world. And, uh, oh, yeah. And they have these like powers you can do kind of like, uh, secondary weapons that you can unlock, uh, with things you buy. So there's just like a really good loop. I think it was maybe six to eight hours long, not a very long game. I thought it didn't overstay its welcome. Um, at the end, you can kind of, there's like a final dungeon where you, you can go into it when, like, whenever you reach a certain story progression. Basically, when you get, I think the weapons can go up to level six. Once you get one weapon up to level six, you can essentially unlock the final dungeon if you get those right storylines. But you, when you go into that dungeon, you can only take weapons you have at level six. So then I went in, I went back and was, you know, grinding all the other weapons to get them up to, up to level six. But they added a, a nice little item that lets you go get experience points past what level you're at. So it's kind of, it's, it's, uh, doesn't sound obvious, but basically if you needed 50 experience points to get from level to one to level two, when you first play that, you get those 50 and then you cannot get any more experience points, no matter how much you play. But if you have this item, you can keep getting experience on top of that. So although you are still capped at level one until you go and do the date, you actually are still acquiring the experience points. So later on in the game where you don't really want to grind anymore, like go in and out grinding, you can essentially level up like three times in the dungeon, but not actually level up. Like you get enough experience to level up. So then when you leave the dungeon, you'd go on a date, your weapon basically automatically levels up to the next level. You go on another date without having to like go back and forth. So it's just like a nice like nod to say, yeah, we know you've done this already a bunch of times. Why waste your time by having you go back and forth again? And there's just like a lot of little polish uh, parts of this game that I really appreciated and uh, enjoyed. So um, I would say it's definitely worth a try. Hopefully it comes back to Game Pass or to PS Plus or something because it's it's really a fun fun game. I think people should try it. So it's the end of this month or is it already off Game Pass? Now? I think it's gone now. I think it was like well while we were reviewing Stray that week, I think it left. I think it, like oh, okay. August 12th or something like that. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, it's gone, but really fun. Cool, yeah. I mean, I've heard good things about it. it did you say is it an action RPG or just like a pure RPG? It's a action RPG. It's like Diablo. Okay. Huh, cool. Yeah. With like I mean, yeah. Uh, pretty similar. I mean, maybe a little more action-y than Diablo. I haven't played any of the newer Diablos, but I know the original Diablo was basically just like constantly clicking. Whereas this, you, there is like some dodging and attacking and also a secondary ability. So there is a little more, I guess Diablo also has kind of most of that stuff, but yeah, Diablo is a great comparison for it. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, so yeah, I'll mention a few things. So I, I, I mentioned roller drone earlier. So I did try the, there's the, the one hour trial on PlayStation plus. Now this just before I talk about the game, this kind of pissed me off. I don't know if there's, I, I think I've read there's a way around this, but f when you start downloading the game, apparently your trial period starts. So like I just queued up the the game to download on my console. I didn't 
look at it or anything. And then like a day later, I turn on the console, go to play the game. And it's like, you have 35 minutes left in your one hour trial. (laughs) Brutal, brutal. Come on. So anyway, I, I tried it out. Basically, you know, got through all the tutorials and stuff in like half an hour and was starting to really enjoy the game. So I ended up buying it. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm loving this game. It's, uh, you know, the art style is definitely kind of similar to Sable from last year. Uh, I don't like, is it cell shaded? That's not the term anymore, right? Like, I guess, uh, well, cell shaded or tune shaded, I think. Yeah. It's the just term. like very flat com- comic booky colors. It's like watercolor kind of. Yeah. And, uh, and so the, when we originally saw the trailers for this game, I thought for sure it was like just a multiplayer game, like a battle royale or something, but it's not. <clears throat> so it's a single player game. You're, it, it takes place in the year 2030 and it's heavily inspired by Rollerball, obviously. And it's, you know, there's a game that people watch on TV where you're on roller skates and you have guns and you just, are going around the course and trying to kill people. And, um, and it's basically Tony Hawk with guns, uh, in sort of like a sci-fi setting, I guess. And I mean, it's really heavily influenced by Tony Hawk. Like all the moves are pretty much the same, you know, same buttons for like grinding and, uh, you know, doing grabs and stuff like that. And so the way it works is you have to do tricks to refill your ammo so you can like, and, uh, and there's bullet time. So you can kind of like aim, take a few shots at somebody, and then you got to go do a few tricks to refill your ammo. And it's just like a super addictive, mm. uh, loop. And it's, you know, like, I think I've read that these developers, the same people that did Ollie Ollie world. And, and I know they specifically mentioned the concept of flow, which is, you know, was a big game design concept, but I mean, this game really, is that kind of game where you are just in the zone. You could be playing for an hour, two hours, you wouldn't even notice. And, uh, and it's really fun. I mean, so I've played probably the first four levels. Now I'm at a point where to unlock the next bunch of levels, I got to go back and, and just like Tony Hawk, there's like objectives you have to kind of do like additional tricks and things you have to try to accomplish in those levels. So I'm kind of, in the process of doing that now, but uh, yeah, really enjoying it. Hmm. I'm hearing it's, it's like a, a short, short-ish game as well. It's, it's interesting. I totally still thought this was a multiplayer game. <laughs> like I had no idea it was single player. Yeah, and it it really seems like I'm kind of surprised there's not like a co-op mode or something. Like I wouldn't be surprised if they added that at some point, maybe. Although I guess, yeah, I don't know how. Like definitely online play with the bullet time thing. That's always a tricky thing to do, right? Like, yeah. Any games that have done bullet time and online? I, I don't think you can. I think that's a oxymoron there. Yeah. So that's maybe that, that's the reason why. But uh, but yeah, I mean, definitely if you have PS Plus, give the trial a look. Uh, Just make sure you buy you upgrade your internet first. <laughs> Yeah, I I read that there's some way around it. I don't know. Like if you start the download on your console, but then like force quit the app or something like that. I don't know. Look it up. But uh, but yeah, that's that was definitely annoying. Uh, so you want me to do a few more here? Yeah, yeah. Keep rolling. 
Okay. So I, I beat escape Academy. So talked about that like a few weeks back and I was like, yeah, this game is not what I was hoping it would be. And it kind of, the controls are clunky and, but somehow I just went back to it, tried it one more time, ended up co-oping it a bunch with the kids and uh, got through it. And it, it was, you know, a pretty short game, probably four hours or maybe five hours. And just, it's an escape room game, but, the story, the way they weave a story into it, even though it's kind of ridiculous, it was actually fun and kind of kept us wanting to play. And there's time limits on the levels, which at first I was kind of annoyed about. I was like, I mean, I know that's that's what escape rooms are, but uh, I was kind of like, I prefer to just be able to explore and and solve puzzles at my own pace. I don't want I want I don't want the extra stress. But I got to say, the timer thing really added a level of intensity that was pretty fun. Like when we beat the game, we beat it with like four seconds left. (laughs) So it was like a crazy and, and, you know, we were at this final puzzle we were trying to solve. And instead of trying to actually figure out what they were getting us to, to guess, we just looked at the two words and just guessed the two words. And uh, so, yeah, it was a pretty, pretty fun experience, but so how many, like how many did you fail based on the timer? Uh, not too many. There is a th- like when you fail when you hit the time limit, it kind of gives you uh, a five. You can choose a five minute additional time with really no penalty. Okay. So I did that a couple times, and usually that was all we needed anyway. But I think maybe only once I failed, and you know it's like then the next time through you're definitely going to beat it because you know how to do half the stuff. Right. But, um, but yeah, I mean, de- there's definitely some glitches and kind of weird, like at one point Kieran found this one object that you can just pick up as many times as you want. And this whole inventory just got, <laughs> this object. um, and it, you know, there was something where he fell out of the world at one point. Uh, and, but the, the, the controls are weird. Like the sensitivity, you got to adjust definitely the pointer sensitivity, Cause it's just, it's just off the default setting. I did not like it, mm. but uh, you know, it was fun. It was all right. Um, and then I guess I'll just mention Trover saves the universe. Beat this as well. This is the is VR the game okay. yeah, from uh, Justin Roiland. Who's, you know, does Rick and Morty. They have high, high on life coming out later this year, which I'm looking forward to, but this is uh I mean, I, I don't even know. <laughs> the story is just stupid. Like, it doesn't, it, it's kind of a sci fi thing. Uh, but what I found really interesting is how they get around the idea of in VR not doing free movement. Um, but so the way it works is you're kind of this character that's locked in place. They call you a chair Orphean, <laughs> and you just sit in a chair but you're controlling this other guy named Trover. And so you're controlling him and running around, but then he'll get to like a checkpoint and then you can move your chair to that checkpoint. And so you're kind of always locked in place and you can rotate around. You can like raise your chair up to get a higher vantage point of things, but you're kind of locked in place, but then you're controlling him as he's running around in 3d space and, and it worked quite well. And so it's like a third person camera, but from like further away kind of thing, like it's more top down kind of almost, or I guess it could be 
You're just well, however you set it up. Yeah. You could be higher up or you could be just right. behind him, but, uh, and you know, it's kind of an action, uh, adventure, I guess, but like the action is pretty, like the combat is pretty, uh, simple. I mean, there's like, you, you can dodge and there's like a charge attack and a few other things, but it's really like, I don't think I died once in the game. So it's definitely not super challenging on that level, but uh, obviously the selling point is the humor. If you're a fan of Rick and Morty and stuff, it's a pretty, I found it pretty funny. Like it's the whole game is kind of commenting on video games and, and kind of meta, but not like in a super annoying way. Like it's just, he's constantly like, Oh, I bet this is going to happen now or something like that. And <laughs> right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there, there's some moments where it gets a little bit obnoxious. Like there was a couple characters that I remember just like, it, it reminded me a bit of the guardians of the galaxy game where I know a lot of people hate that the dialogue just keeps going and going, even when you're trying to like figure something out. And, mm. and it's a little bit like that where I was like stuck at this one point and this enemy just kept talking and talking and talking. <laughs> I was like, Oh my God, shut the hell up. <laughs> and it was just cause I needed to do something to progress it. But uh, but there is, you know, a lot of dialogue. And uh, if you are a fan of Justin Roiland, you probably would dig it. So, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Another kind of five-hour-ish game. I'm just loving the five-hour games these days. Oh, just yeah. Perfectly. That's the sweet spot. What yeah. have? Are there a lot of other VR games that have this sort of perspective thing where you're kind of locked in place and then you transition to a new area? No, that's what, like, I can't think of any other games that have done that. Uh, and I thought that was kind of unique. Like uh, the whole thing is the game is you're kind of this guy, you are a character, but you don't ever really talk. Like at some points they ask you to like nod your head or shake your head, but, uh, but he's talking to you the whole time. So it's like, mm -hmm. you are a character, but the main character is this other guy that you're controlling. Uh, yeah, it was, I thought it was pretty unique. So, uh, I'm not sure if they ripped it off from somewhere that I'm not aware of, but it was kind of cool. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I could jump back in. I am still playing Yakuza Zero, still loving it. Um, I think I'm quite far in it. I don't know. My playtime counter is <laughs> not indicative of my actual playtime. It's like over 135 hours right now, but I'm finding I'll like play it and I'll like set the controller down and just let that game sit on pause for a while. Let that, <laughs> let that play time rack up. Um, but I'm still really enjoying it. And it's what I like about it is there's two main characters and they kind of progress a little bit of the one storyline and then they'll switch to the other guy and then progress him and then come back to the original guy. And it's very, I, I, I can't believe they haven't made a TV show out of this, right? at all like yakuza at all this this series because it seems like it's perfect for some sort of episodic show uh just how they've laid out all the chapters are like a perfect episode in the tv show um or maybe two episodes and i'm really surprised that they haven't adapted it yet uh because it seems perfect uh but uh, really liking it really enjoying the combat although it you know i, I i'm playing on easy so it's pretty straightforward. I'm not getting that much money, so I'm not really unlocking all the skill tree stuff that I probably should be at this point. And I'm kind of, I have a YouTube walkthrough that I'm 
kind of going along at the same time with just to kind of track where I am in terms of beating the game, how far along I am. And so I'm about like, uh, you know, over three quarters of the way through it, I would say. So I'm, a, I'm pretty close to the end, hopefully. I don't know how much uh, in the walkthrough is, you know, figuring, doing all the side questy stuff, which I'm not really going to focus on. But I really am enjoying this game and I, I kind of want to beat it just so I can go on to Kiwami or whatever the next game in the series is. I think it's Kiwami and, and give that one a try and see how they change it. Cause this one is set in, I believe the late eighties. And I think all the other ones are further, further in the 2000 ish timeframe. So it'll be interesting to see the jump in time, time difference and you know, how they change the setting and like where these characters are now. I'm, I'm all, I'm interested to see all that kind of stuff. So really enjoying it. I want to beat it. Just have not found the time to really power through and, and get it done yet. But uh, that's it for me. What's uh, how long to beat saying on that one? Uh, let me double check. Uh, I think it was like quite long. I think it was like 25 hours or 30 hours. Well, that's, I thought maybe it was longer than that. That's not too bad. Let's see here. What What is how long to be saying? 31 hours. Okay, so it's quite a haul. 65 for the main and extras, 140 hours for the completionist. So I'm almost <laughs> I'm almost there, yeah. just not completing it. <laughs> wow, yeah. So it's a huge game, absolutely huge. And I mean, there's just like side stuff everywhere. You walk around and there's just people on the side of the road that you get automatically stopped and like talk to them. And, or, you know, there's like little side quests you could do for them that are really meaningless in the grand scheme of the game, but it just adds this life to this city that is really, really kind of unique. Uh, maybe not unique, but uh, I'm enjoying it. I like the setting. I like the characters in it. Everyone seems to be very unique and all the gameplay mechanics. There's a new gameplay mechanic that I hadn't talked about yet where you can buy property. You're almost like a real estate baron. So you buy property. And then you you hire people to manage the property and ins- ensure security, but then you know the other yakuzas will come and like start fights essentially and try to take away your property. So you have to go out and fight them to basically kick them off, so you can keep getting like collection money. Essentially, you're you're a, you're a real estate agent, but you're also a yakuza, like getting getting their rent money from them or whatever your security money. And then there's also this other mechanic for the other character where you run like a nightclub and you have to hire girls to run run the club and entertain the guests and everything like that. And they call it what do they call it? Uh, it's not like a, it's not like a strip joint, but it's basically like a gentleman's club. Like a yeah, gentleman's club's a good <laughs> good. I can't remember what they're a cabaret. I think they call it or something. Okay, uh, but it's the same same idea. It's like a gentleman's club, and and you could kind of go on the girls go on little date type things with the guys or whatever. And, and it's just this like little management sim off to the side that you can do where you recruit the girls and the girls are rated. Like, I think it's like bronze to platinum or something like that. So you got to like search around town to find the girls in order to get the girls. You have to like offer them expensive things you buy in the stores like uh you know like a scarf or a wallet or a watch or something like that you have to go buy these things bring them back and each girl likes a certain thing so there's this whole like deep like other little mini game going on that that you know it's not even part of the main story but it's 
it's pretty enjoyable little like mini game to uh to play and there's um while you're doing this uh gentleman's club mini game uh the guys can get like handsy or you know the girls need help with something anything so you kind of have to go to the tables the different tables and interact and she'll she'll do like some sort of hand gesture like in the actual animation and you have to try to understand what it means and then it gives you like a list of like four options and if you choose it correct then the guy will stay longer and spend more money <laughs> it's like so it's like this fun just like really quirky game like i just love it it's so great I love it. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I mean, I, I got a few other things, but maybe I'll save them for next week. Um, I think so. Uh, Gamescom is happening next week. So I'm assuming we'll have a bunch of stuff to talk about. There's already been some rumors out there about, uh, I think I saw something about Prince of Persia remake suddenly resurfacing. People think that mm-hmm. might make an appearance. Uh, a few other things, but uh, we'll have that. And then I, we haven't really talked about this, but last year we did the did it like a fall game preview episode. So I don't know, maybe we should try and do that at some point in the near future as well. Is this like is this a list when all your games get pu- pushed to the next year? Basically, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I don't know. It's a weird. There's not a lot of big releases when I was looking at what comes out the next few months. Yeah, it's so. just like God of War. Right Pretty much. Yep. Well, so I guess we'll uh, be playing that. <laughs> Group review, the only game that comes that, out. That yeah, that one will probably happen. So uh but Frank should be back as well. Uh for all the Frank fans out there. So don't worry about that. Uh anything else you need to, you need to mention here, Huck? I don't think so. Okay. Well you can find uh Huck on Twitter at equilibrium sis and my angry commute and i am at film junk you can also subscribe to you can you can subscribe on youtube please do even if you don't really watch it on youtube that helps us uh there's also the game junk podcast twitter account facebook page uh, you know the discord look for the stuff in the links on the youtube video and yeah. I think that's about it. So until next time, we'll see you guys later. Bye-bye.